Hey, what's the volume like for this microphone? Because it sounded really quiet when I tried it earlier on. Do I sound quiet? No, you sound, no, you sound great. Oh, good. It's giving you some sort of British accent, though. <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to episode one of the iFreak Show. This week on our panel we have Raj Schmidt. Hello from Salt Lake City. Alright, we have Pete Hodgson. Hello from Berkeley. And we also have Ben... Should I, <laughs> should I try? <laughs> yeah, try. Sh- Sherman? Uh, just Sherman. Nothing Sherman. Fancy. Yeah. Alright. Like uh, the hello. tank. Yep, like the tank. Just with a couple of extra letters in there. Nice. Uh, hello from Houston. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. I, I thought we could start off the show, since this is our first show, by doing a little bit of an introduction. So um, what I'm thinking we'll do is we'll talk uh, briefly about our experience with iOS and iOS programming, so where, where you kind of came from and, and how you got into it, and um, also the types of applications you've written. So if you've written games or if you've written geolocation apps or whatever. I, I don't even know what all the categories are. So um, let's go ahead and start with Ben. Um, ben, do you want to give us your uh, brief or not so brief introduction, as it may be? Sure. Uh, so I, I was a .NET developer in a previous life and uh, uh, spent many years doing that. And uh, I was writing a book on MVC, and so I wanted to sort of be aware of what, was else, what else was out there. And so I started in, into Rails. And um, around the same time, I was like, you know what? I have this cool iPhone. I want to write an app for it to... Uh, to maintain my guitar tablature. Uh, so I just kind of went heads first into Rails and iOS. And, um, you know, about a quarter way through that project, I was like, man, I really want to do this full time. And uh, so the opportunity presented itself in 2010, I guess it was, um, after I shipped that app to uh, to do it full time, both Rails and iOS. Uh, so I've been doing that full time now for three years and have transitioned completely away from .NET. It wasn't even on purpose. It was uh, It was just... You know, there's so much iOS work out there, and and uh, I just fell into it. So I really love it. I've shipped a couple of apps. The first one, uh, Guitar Tablature, tends to be this sort of legal landmine area where it was going to be too expensive to to both pay lawyers and pay the digital rights that were required to keep that thing online. So I had to pull that one, unfortunately. But I do have one app in the store right now, one personal app. It's called Giggle Touch. It's for little toddlers, and you can tap on the screen and shapes appear and giggle sounds and that sort of thing. And I've uh, been working for a company called Chai One here in Houston. And uh, we have a team of good uh, iOS, Android, and Rails developers. And uh, on the side, I do NS Screencast. So I produce screencasts once a week on just learning iOS development. So uh, that's my backstory. So I'm going to make you hurt some people's feelings. Do you like iOS development more or Rails more? You know, they complement each other nicely. I think uh, the languages have such heavily, heavily, uh, are, we're heavily influenced by Smalltalk. So patterns you see in one sort of emerge in the other, and it, uh, so I don't know. When I get tired of one, there's always the other one waiting there, <laughs> and I'm always sort of bouncing back and forth between the two in my day job. So, so uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I could pick one and say I'm doing this forever and not doing the other. Nice. That was a very diplomatic answer. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like balancing on the fence there. Right. Sweet. All right. Um, are you going to, uh, what is it, Lone Star Ruby Conference? I just submitted a talk. So uh, hopefully that'll get accepted. I, I spoke at the last two 
So, you know, I don't know what it is about Ruby conferences, but I get really nervous submitting talks to Ruby conferences. I, I think maybe it's because I'm a better Objective-C developer than I am a Rubyist. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I have to ask because I like meeting the guys that are on my shows, and I'm going to be there. So, yeah. Well, we Our, met in uh, we met at Dev Dev Teach in Vancouver. Oh, that's right. That's right. All right. Well, good deal. Pete, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name's Pete Hodgson. Um, I work for a consulting company called ThoughtWorks. Um, Never heard of it. And yeah. Well, so you know, what, actually, I'm, I'd be interested at how many iOS developers have because uh, it's kind of has. I guess we're more well known for enterprisey big systems than we are for for kind of mobile and designy stuff um yeah i've been there for for like three years now and i guess my background is kind of all over the place i started off my first kind of professional job was doing c plus plus and then i did some c sharp a tiny bit of php uh, and then i kind of fell into um to ruby and i and i was doing rails development for a while and then when I was working at Fortworks, I did a few Rails projects, and then we got this um, this mobile project, this iOS project for a bank, and um, someone and we were looking for folks who were available who had iPhone experience. And I said, "Oh, I, I you know, I spent I spent a week playing around with uh, with Xcode and trying to figure it out, and and that counted me as an expert. So I joined that project. <laughs> nice. uh-huh. Yeah, and um, and spent like a year helping this uh, big bank build their retail banking app." And that, that wasn't actually just iOS. That was uh, Android, uh, iPhone, iPad, and then we also did a bunch of like a JavaScript, pure JavaScript, like single page mobile app, which is kind of a weird one. Uh, so yeah, and that's kind of I guess that's a bit of a theme for me is that I, I I'm not exclusively an iOS developer. I kind of have bounced around a bunch since then as well, and I've I've done iOS stuff and also still do still do uh, a lot of Ruby and Rails stuff. Um, actually doing Scala at the moment as well, which is interesting. <laughs> and yeah, that's it. And I guess the other thing that I'm kind of, that came out of originally that uh, big banking project was, um, this testing tool called Frank, which, um, which is kind of, I guess, like Selenium for iOS developers, basically. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of the, that grew, that grew out of that project and I'm, I continue to be the maintainer of, of that thing. Um, and actually, surprisingly enough, I made, uh, it sounds like me and Ben both made the same app. I made a, uh, an HTML version of Giggle Touch called, uh, Bug, oh, actually, yeah, I'll, I'll send you guys a link, but, uh, I just, that cracked me up when you just said that, Ben, cause it's like, I basically <laughs> made the exact same thing for my toddler, toddler, except I chose HTML rather than iOS, so maybe I'll get booted off the show now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, Pete actually was recommended, uh, for the show by Martin Fowler, so. Okay. Who's came, that guy? Came highly yeah. recommended. <laughs> All right. And Rod, you want to give us your backstory? Sure. My name's Rod Schmidt, and I work for myself at a company called Infinite Nil Software. And let's see, I came from a way back in a C, C, and then moved to Java and uh, got sick of that. And uh, I've always been an Apple fan. And so when Steve Jaws split off from Next. I was interested in that stuff. And when I first saw Interface Builder, I was uh, blown away and wanted to do Coco from then. But uh, I couldn't because I didn't have a Next machine. They were like $10,000 back then. and So I just read the books. And So when uh, Apple bought Next, 
or next bought Apple, however you want to look at it. I knew that was my chance, so I bought a Mac again, which I had recently gone to a PC for my work, and I got a Mac, a PowerBook, and uh, started getting into it again. And then in, in 2003, when I, my Java contract ended, I just went and did uh, got a Mac contract gig full time. So since 2003, I've been doing. I did Mac programming, and then of course when the uh, the iOS SDK came out, then I was right on that too. So well, that's an interesting uh, side note that I, you know, I came directly to this via iOS, and so I, you know, at the time I came around learning this was like late 2008, early 2009. There were no iOS books around, so I had to sort of learn the Mac way and sort of translate it to to iOS. Right. I'd be interested to hear your your thoughts on how you uh, how you were able to make the switch from Mac sure. to iOS. Yeah, well, we can talk about that later. So yeah, iOS came back out, and I've been doing that ever since. Um, I also have both my feet in the Mac world and the Rails world or the Ruby world. I've done uh, presentations on uh, Ruby Cocoa. Like I did a presentation at the the first Mac OSX O'Reilly conference. That didn't last long though. But I did Ruby Cocoa, and I've done a number of presentations at the U-Rug, local URUG here on Ruby Motion and Ruby Cocoa. And, and I'm actually currently writing a Rails app for my own stuff. So. I have an affinity for the, the Ruby world as well, as well. And let's see, some of my apps are, my big winner is, uh, well, I have some Mac apps. I don't know if you want to talk about them or not. One is PackRat, PackRat, which is a back, 37 Sentinels backpack client. And there's one called Everport, which lets you move your backpack information to Evernote. And then on the iOS, my big sale, seller is, uh, an app called Numerology. And that, it does numerology, which is like uh, astrology, except it uses numbers and names derived, or numbers derived from your name and birth date to uh, analyze you. <laughs> nice. Awesome. So uh, Rod is a local developer. Um, he lives here in Utah, not too far from me. So, And, and he's one of the people that I, I wind up talking to when I'm talking about iOS. And so I, I was I was really happy to get him on the show. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of my background. Now, as far as iOS development goes, I have been talking about learning iOS development for, for a couple of years. I have, in practice, been learning iOS development um, off and on for that time, but it's usually a day here and a day there. But uh, since I, you know, I think I mentioned this before, my contract ended on Friday after Mountain West Ruby Conference this week. I'm probably going to have a little time to dig in. And I'm really excited to, uh, to, to figure out some of this stuff. But that being said, I don't feel bad about pulling a show like this together because we have awesome experts like you guys. And, uh, then I can ask all the noob questions. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited. My programming background basically, um, I started programming when I was like 13 on my TI calculator. And then in college, I had to pick some up because I was an electrical engineering major and then a computer engineering major. And I thought that uh, programming was for chumps because all we ever did was build toy apps. And uh, then I went and worked for a company over here in Utah, in Utah County. Um, it was a startup. And so what winds up happening in startups is you wind up building the tools that you need because they won't buy them. And I was running tech support. And so I wound up building a tech support uh, portal um, with another guy who was also helping me run... Um, the tech support uh, thing, and I figured out pretty quick that programming was actually cool and that I didn't really want to be on the management track anymore, 
And so I made the transition. I've worked for a few companies around here, and I've been a freelance Ruby on Rails developer for the last two and a half years. But the iPhone stuff has always fascinated me, and I'm, I'm just super excited to, to really uh, get into it. So that's where I'm at. And that's, that's where I get to ask all the neato questions, because uh, today's topic, we're going to be talking about how to get started. First off, I, I'm just going to briefly mention some of the things that I've done. Um, as Ben mentioned, I went to DevTeach last year and spoke on Ruby, but I attended one of the workshops there um, on Ruby or on um, iPhone development. And then um, I've also picked up the Big Nerd Ranch guide to programming the iPhone. Um, I'm not sure what you guys' opinion would be of, of those kinds of things, so I'll, I'll let you chime in and, and talk about it for a minute. So when I was when I was looking at getting started, I you know went on Amazon and the local bookstore looking for books, and uh, the one that I found the most highly recommended was uh, Aaron Hilligus's book, The Big Nar- Big Nerd Ranch Guide to Mac OS X Programming. I forget the title. It's uh, green and has like a Vespa on it. Um, Coco right. Programming for Mac OS X, that one. Uh, so I really liked that style. He was kind of uh, this Sherpa for iOS, like, okay, we're going to go on this journey together, and don't worry, it'll be hard at first. I really appreciated the uh, this kind of super beginner nature uh, that that he the, his writing style is really really approachable, and so I learned you know how to do sort of Objective C memory management uh, from some one of the world's expert authorities on the topic. So um, I, I really thought that that book was awesome. I haven't read the iOS version, but uh, but I assume it's of similar uh, quality. Yeah, I've, I've read both of them. That's Diet, the MacBook, and in the iOS book are the ones I tell everyone I recommend to them. You know, Aaron was actually a trainer at Next, and he trained Apple people to write Coco, so he, and he runs the Big Nerd Ranch, so he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I, I think Big Nerd Ranch got bought out by, or they bought out. The, they merged kind of with High Groove Studios. Yeah. yeah, I got a couple of friends that work there. Yeah. So yeah, uh, still, other so, other books that I think are good. Um, I really really liked the uh, A Press book, uh, Beginning iPhone Three. Uh, it was a Beginning iPhone Three Development by uh, Dave Mark and Jeff Lamarche, and then uh, we recently bought a couple of Office copies of the. Uh, I guess we have one for version five, one for version six, but it's just like a kind of by example, chapter by chapter. You can just uh, say, okay, I want to do table views and just jump straight to that chapter. And it's kind of self-contained, uh, really easy to to use as a reference. Do you guys think it's, um, did you learn, I guess it depends on whether you learned Objective-C at the same time as you were learning iOS, but are there any, are you aware of any good books that are just about Objective-C itself? Well, I guess most of them you learn it in the context of doing iOS development. So it looks like Big Big Nerd Ranch has a an Objective C book. It's just Objective C, yeah. right? And then um, I've also got I've got an Objective C phrase book. This is kind of a quick reference. I don't know. I haven't really gotten into the Objective C books themselves, and that's mainly because I, I'm more interested in doing something with it. Like I don't want to just yeah dink around with the language. I want to actually you know figure that some of this stuff out so um yeah i guess it depends on your on your kind of learning style like for, for me when i'm starting a new thing I, I like to get like the language book and then kind of like gorge myself on that and kind of read it kind of almost kind of breeze through it all the way through and then kind of look at the the libraries and the frameworks on top but i think maybe 
iOS development is kind of unique because it's the language and like Apple and Objective-C are so kind of tightly connected that it's like one iOS development is Objective-C and Objective-C is either iOS or Mac development, you know, like the libraries and the, and the language kind of meld together a little bit because they're all maintained by the same company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I, I would point out is that the primary languages that I've worked in are, um, JavaScript and Ruby. And, uh, and then I've played with Smalltalk enough to where, um, the oddities that most people run into and struggle with in, uh, Objective C were things that I just looked at. Oh, it works like this. Um, this other thing that I'm, I'm familiar with. So, uh, I, I that, never that struggled good, with the language itself. That, that may be a good, uh, thing to touch on real quick is a lot of people that I talk to, especially my old, you know, .NET friends, uh, they look at Objective C and they're like, ah, oh, my eyes, you know, I can't stand it. <laughs> and I, I kind of had the same initial kind of disgust reaction to the language, but it was, uh, for me, it was a means to an end. I really liked the iPhone and I was like, well, people are building awesome apps on this platform. Let me, uh, just, um, see how they live life, how they experience things. And after I learned, you know, the Objective C way, it, you know, kind of grew on me. It wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't as ugly as I initially thought. Uh, there are some rough edges here and there, but, you know, I, I came to like the language. And the other thing with the language is that it's, it's continually, uh, evolving. And so they have made some changes that make it easier for people yeah. to come in. So for example, um, the square bracket notation for making a, a method call was kind of weird to me, but now you can use dot notation and it works the same way. So, th- you know, things yeah, like this, that. that's, that's kind of a hot topic though, right? You have, yeah. you oh, have absolutely. two ways of accessing a property. And I, you know, I think it's, um, uh, you can, you can call a method in the same way that you call a property using dot notation if the method is, uh, takes no arguments, right? Uh, but there's like this strong sense in the community that you should use bracket notation where you're calling a method and only use dot notation for right. properties so that you can kind of keep that distinction uh, keep that distinction but then there's also i think actually just on ruby rogues we were they were talking about that recently the uniform access principle this idea that accessing a property versus calling a method if you keep that the same you get some nice benefits because you can mess around with stuff but i i know that this is a very controversial uh controversial topic so yeah well and, and the thing that i really wanted to point out was that it's it's sort of beginner friendly because most other languages you're dealing with will use dot notation, and so you can use dot notation and get away with it until you figure out what the idioms are that the community kind of uh, is is uh, excited about. Yeah, one thing that um that kind of occurred to me when you were, you were just saying Chuck about uh as a as a Ruby and Java script developer it it kind of looks familiar the the. I, I wonder if we want to talk about memory management because that's one thing that is different from Ruby or JavaScript or, or .NET for that matter is is the whole um, you know reference counting and and manual memory management or ARC or uh, do we want to talk about that here or do we want to do, um, I mean that's almost its own its own show maybe I, I, I think we probably will cover that next week because it's it's such an important aspect of programming for the i iPhone or iPad. Um, but it, it is a gotcha that uh, beginners are going to run into. I was kind of hoping that this episode would be more of just uh, here are some resources to get you going. I've heard a lot of good things about NS screencasts. And, and plug, plug. If if Ben just wants to talk about kind of the aim of what he's trying to do there real quick, that that would be cool. 
Yeah. So when I was getting into Rails, uh, you know, I, a lot of my friends were using Ruby and stuff. I knew it was something I wanted to get into. Uh, and Railscast was just this invaluable resource to me. Uh, it was topic focused. It was really easy to just watch a 10 or 15 minute video and do something real with it. And I built my first app basically by stitching together tutorials that Ryan Bates had done. And about this time, I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if somebody had done this for iOS. And my friends heard me complain about this maybe five or six times before they said, hey, you know, you could just do that. Uh, so that was my goal is just kind of be like the Rails cast for iOS. And uh, so um, I've, I've been doing this for a while now. Mine started as a, uh, a subscription-based service from the start. So it's nine bucks a month. Uh, and I have a few, a handful of uh, free episodes available on the site if you go to nsscreencast.com. And uh, my goal is to keep them between 10 and 20 minutes. Uh, sometimes I go over, but, uh, you know, it's building an iPhone app is hard to do in 20 minutes. So uh, anyway, uh, my latest ones were uh, on Windows Azure mobile services, uh, which is like a back end for your apps. Uh, there's two of those, and those are both free. And uh, yeah, if you, if you take a look and let me know what you think. Um, my goal is certainly to to help people who maybe are familiar with development but new to Objective C uh, get started and just sort of browse around topic based and be able to to get going quickly. Yeah, yeah I, I like having videos that I can go and and watch. It's it's really yeah. helpful. Speaking of videos, the uh, the Stanford lectures. Uh, yeah, I was going to on iTunes. You, that's probably the m- most valuable thing I found when I was learning. You know, I had. Um, some time away from a Mac for a while when I was trying to work on my app. And so I was like, well, I have some time. I can't actually program the Objective-C, so let me just sit there and watch these videos. And I went through like a whole semester's worth of content in a few days. And the other good, another good resource for videos, obviously, is the, the WWDC, uh, all the WWDC content. So Apple record all of those. And the quality of those presentations is is amazing. I always wonder how how much time they spend <laughs> preparing those uh, all those talks but yeah and that, that I think if you're is it that if you're if you've got an Apple developer account then you can access all of those through iTunes right yeah 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 those like were it. not free when I first started so I had to pay I forget what it was oh, wow. a couple hundred bucks for them but yeah again totally worth it and I I really don't want my videos to compete with those because they're so good uh but they're just really long right and uh, yeah. and they'll also only cover stuff that Apple wants you to look at. They're never going to cover the fringe yeah. topics like Cocoa Pods or Frank or whatever. Yeah, so. that's. I think that's a really big thing for me. Is like that's one of the things that I found quite jarring coming into the Apple community versus other commu- other developer communities. I mean, is is the Apple Apple centricness, and it, I think things like um, things like NS Screencasts, and then also like NS Hipster, which is uh, this website that um, Matt Thompson. Uh, does are really good because they're not they're not coming out of Apple and they're kind of providing a more esoteric look at stuff that's both like official official Apple sponsored technology but also the um, the unofficial stuff which sometimes is better than the official stuff. You know? That that's one thing that I found really interesting about this community and other communities like the Microsoft community, the C C sharp stuff, where it it is really driven by just one company. And you're yeah. only really programming for products made by one company. And there's sort of this walled garden effect in, in certain instances that people talk about, especially with um, Apple and iOS that uh, some people love and some people hate. It really reminds me of the Microsoft community in like the mid-90s. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah. And, and like 
it's very very like i i definitely get that where i'll i go to definitely if you go to wwdc you notice it but even if you go to kind of alternative conferences and you kind of ask people are you using app code rather than x code it's like almost everyone is is using the official apple blessed technology and they kind of make jokes about stuff that's not apple and and i think it's it's pros and cons right it's great because um everyone is kind of focused on focusing their energy and 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 talking about the same the same thing so it's not kind of everyone's going in the same direction versus like the ruby community where there's like 55 different testing frameworks and 462 different uh like api i don't know you know like mm-hmm. web frameworks but um it's also a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a bubble sometimes yeah there so- are some fringe groups that do development on linux and like there's the cocotron project and and opens uh-huh. they're just trying to duplicate the apple environment on those platforms Oh, that's interesting. Hey, what's the what's the Linux one? The is it the the new one that's um, there's the GNU Step project and there's it. also Co- Cocotron, which is um, lets you write for the Windows platform using Objective C oh, cool. and, and Apple like frameworks. That's interesting. So I, I'm also curious. Um, I know that uh, you've done some Ruby Motion, um, Rod. It does it does it seem like there's a a, a whole nother community surrounding that, or are they kind of part of the Apple community? How does no, that seem to work out? It's almost like a whole new separate community because they're most uh, the Ruby guys are really taking to Ruby Motion, where the Objective C guys kind of look at it skeptically, and I'm kind of in the middle. And uh, they they're kind of growing up their own ecosystem. They're writing wrappers for all the Cocoa APIs to make them more Ruby like and. Uh, they don't use Xcode and and things like that. So it's it's almost like a whole nother community. Yeah, the one thing to note when you're looking at frameworks like this, um, including like Monotouch, uh, which is a C sharp for iOS, um, both of these frameworks are, in my opinion, much more preferable than the uh I'm trying to think of the like the one common uh right, language or platform. Anywhere. Yeah, exactly, like uh, like Titanium or whatever, or PhoneGap. I, I'm not a huge fan of those type, but there's these other ones that, which are just use your language and build on top of something that looks just like Cocoa, right? Cocoa Touch, and that's what Ruby Motion and Monotouch would be. Those would be in that that category. It compiles down to a real native app, but you write it in your language uh, of choice. However, it doesn't obviate the need to be able to look up the real docs, look up, be able to yeah. read and understand Objective C code and understand fully UI Kit and how Cocoa Touch works and uh, and that's kind of the approach I took is, you know, I, I need to know how how people do this uh, before dismissing it and replacing it with my own alternative, uh, which is kind of how I ended up in this boat of kind of liking Objective-C. You know, it's there's lots of resources out there for Objective-C. All the docs are readily available, that sort of thing. Yeah, but, I, uh, I, I just want to jump in and clarify for some of the folks out there that aren't familiar with this part of the ecosystem. So like Ben said, you know, Monotouch and Ruby Motion statically compile to native uh, code that runs on your iPhone. And then a lot of these other ones like uh, PhoneGap and uh, Titanium, what they do is they load up a web view. And uh, so you don't get all of the native goodies that you get out of the, you know, running, just running native compiled code. And, uh, and, and that's... So they re- the really good analogy there, I think, is is this un, this uncanny valley thing. So, um, do you guys remember Final Fantasy? 
that yeah. the movie the movie where they all look like they were zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> fun, fun, there's Final Fantasy, and then there's uh, Toy Story, right? Like Toy Story had amazing, uh, looked Christmas amazing, and, and looked looked super fun. Yeah, and then there was that creepy Christmas movie with Tom Hanks, Polar Polar Express, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife think, loves like, that uh, movie. <laughs> But those they, they looked really creepy because they're trying too hard to be um to be real right like to be real like photorealistic so you get this uncanny valley effect where it, it's so you know what they're trying to do so it looks really bad and if you ever look at a um oh what's the uh, uh censure touch application mm-hmm. uh it just they're trying so hard to be native ios that it doesn't work because you you fixate on all of the ways that it's not quite native ios right you're like oh yeah. the gradient is off here and then if you look at it on an Android phone, it just looks ridiculous because it's a, an iPhone. <laughs> it's an iPhone app inside of your Android, right? So that's definitely I could you know I could talk for like four episodes about about that. That's I'm I'm really into like all the cross platform stuff. So yeah, I'm I, sorry, I'm, I could take us off on a tangent for a while here. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, and it's a fine. lot of these a lot of these tools, uh, specifically talking about something like Titanium, they're they're advocating, uh, well, you already know JavaScript, so you can use JavaScript and deploy everywhere. And while that's true, this is not your browser's JavaScript. This is their own SDK, and it is not UIKit. So reading Apple's docs doesn't do you a whole lot of good of how to build a Titanium app. So you're kind of stuck on that, uh, at the whim of their SDK, their documentation, etc. And granted, there's some native bridges here and there so that you can write your own stuff natively, but then you're kind of like needing to be an expert in both sides of the fence. And uh, you know, if if you want to uh, choose that platform as your platform, then you kind of need to buy in whole hog and really dive in and be the expert on that platform. But that doesn't necessarily make you more effective. I think you're just trading one set of problems for another. All right. So I, th- I think we've kind of uh, talked our way around why these uh, frameworks are a good idea or not and uh, what some of the trade-offs are as far as their, you know, how easy they are to learn and, and what the trade-offs are as far as the performance on the on the machine. I want to kind of come back to some of these other resources. So we've talked about some of the video resources for learning iOS programming. We've talked about a bunch of books. I, I have two other areas that I want to go into. And the first one is, for, for those of you who don't know, I love podcasts. And so I'm wondering <laughs> if there are... <laughs> I'm wondering if there are any uh, good audio resources, you know, whether it be something that I can just purchase and listen to, or if there are podcasts that you guys uh, recommend for learning um, Objective-C and iOS programming. There's lots of podcasts. Um, None of them really focus on teaching you Objective-C. They discuss the Apple development world. Yeah, I think that's good just to sort of immerse yourself in the community just so you know who to talk to and, you know, what what uh, things that the community is getting around. So, I don't know. I mean, do you just want to list off the podcasts that we listen to? Yeah. Yeah, if there are any that you listen to. Because I think it's just as important to know what's going on in the community as as it is to, you know, pick up the beginner skills. So. I was a big fan of uh, of build and analyze before it uh, closed up. Uh, that was more about cars and coffee rather than code, but uh, but uh, it was still pretty good. And it kind of covered a lot of the new release stuff and what to watch out for. Um, yeah, plus nowadays that, that was awesome. That, that was yeah. a five by five. Uh, Dan Benjamin and um, oh, what's his name? Marco Arment. Yeah, and the John Syracuse so, one was awesome too. Yeah. 
both of those are just kind of like dancing around this community. Like uh, John Syracuse is much more about the Apple ecosystem and hardware and that sort of thing, which is fascinating. If you like to listen to that guy talk, I, I could listen to him talk for oh, <laughs> for hours. But uh, uh, also I like uh, Core Intuition, which is uh, uh, Daniel Jalkitz and Manton Reese's podcast. I actually sponsored that one for in a screencast, which was pretty cool. I'm trying to think of others that I listen to. Edge Cases. Uh, that's right. by Wolf French and which is the coolest name I think ever. <laughs> uh, I forget the, the host's name, but Andrew uh, Pontius. Okay. Yeah. I think he used to, uh, I think he used to work at, uh, Apple. So yeah, they, they cover some things pretty, you know, deep dives, that sort of thing. I also listen to, there's NS Brief with Sal Mora. He interviews, um, people on Objective C, open source projects and stuff like that. Um, there's identical cousins with Brent and Michael Simmons. Michael Simmons did Fantastic Al and Brent has done Net Newswire. Uh, there's iDeveloper Live with Scotty, Scotty. who does, N- does NS Conference over in Europe. Um, there's Debug with, with Guy English and Renee Ritchie. There's, uh, develop, Developing Perspectives with David Smith. He, d- those are 15 minutes. Those are pretty good. He's an iOS developer. Those are the ones I listen to. And there's iFreaks. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one. Yeah, it's this new <laughs> up-and-coming show. I, I hear that one of the hosts has like four other podcasts. He's, he's a nut. Yeah, awesome. Um, I'll have to check some of those out. Um, the other thing that I wanted to get into was what websites do you guys use? I know that Apple has some docs, and, and I'm also interested in blogs. Do you want to talk about yeah, some of that? <laughs> I, you know, when, when I would uh, look up stuff, uh, for, for C sharp for Microsoft and I, and a MSDN article was like the first hit. I was like, Oh no, you know, yeah, there's right. no good information here. And I would go look at it and the, at the bottom, they're like, was this, was this website helpful? And I would always click no. Cause uh, I mean, the docs, you know, were pretty poor and I never really got that much value out of them. Uh, that said, Apple's docs are way better in my opinion. I really, uh, that's the first place I go when I'm looking at something. I'll check out the, uh, check out the docs. I use a documentation viewer on my Mac called Dash, uh, which I think is 30 bucks. It's in the Mac app store. Um, there's a free version re- as well. Oh, is Dash? Does I think, it, nag- yeah, the, I think it, it has, I think the, the free version has the Apple docs in it. I might be wrong on that, but. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you're ever doing work on a plane, like, I don't know how I ever survived as a programmer without the internet, but if you're ever doing work on a plane and you need to look up something, having Dash on your Mac is really, really helpful because you'll get whatever doc sets you want. So I have like jQuery and Postgres and uh, Ruby and Rails docs, as well as a bunch of other stuff in there. So uh, they just have a whole host of uh, doc sets, they're called. You know, having that at your fingertips and just being able to look something up really quickly, that's the first place I go before jumping to Stack Overflow or whatever. Yeah, I, I want to, like, emphasize how good the Apple Docs are. Um, I have the same thing with the C-sharp uh, or memories of the .NET community. At least if you, if you ever looked at the PHP documentation, then it makes uh, .NET look amazing. Um, <laughs> it's just like... It's like... <laughs> PHP documentation, it has like a YouTube style comment thread underneath each uh, thing, which is just <laughs> horrifying. Anyway, um, like the, the thing that I was really surprised coming from different communities with, with Apple is A, the quality of the documentation, but also it's not just like API documentation. They have like these really great long form articles on stuff like the patterns that, that are common, 
um, like how the, I don't know, like the view view life cycle, um, all this kind of like long form content that's just really really well written. I actually I didn't read that much. I didn't actually read that many books when I was starting with iOS, but I did read a lot of those long form articles, and I felt I, I thought they were just really 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 valuable. And obviously they're written by Apple, so they kind of know know the uh, the internals well, and they explain it really well. I think. There's also there's some uh, there's Matt Gemmel, he's a Cocoa developer that blogs, a good writer as well about various topics. Um, there's Cocoa with Love, again they have some really good articles on on how to do certain things occasionally. Yeah, Cocoa is my girlfriend. That's right, a good that's another good one. There's Will Shipley, he doesn't really talk about techniques, but he's a character in his own right. Call me Fish Meal. <laughs> that's his blog. There's the um, Mike Ash is blog. That one's really good. Yeah, those That's are really, deep. That goes you into into re- <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to really focus when you read those. You can't just sort of casually browse it. Yeah, maybe not for maybe not for beginners, unless you want to kind of see how much there is to learn, <laughs> how long the road in front of you is. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm compiling this huge list. I'm going to lose like a week to you guys now. Uh, Ray Wenderlich is probably has oh, my favorite one. blog. Uh, RayWenderlich.com. Yeah, um, he has really good tutorials, right? It's a lot of it's around of game development. It's topic focused, so it's like here's how you do in-app purchases or whatever. And they're really long articles. He's got a lot of contributors doing it. They're really well done. And nice. I think he compiles those into a book and sells it. Which and I'm not familiar with exactly how that works, but I would certainly recommend buying that if if you need something sort of prepackaged and ready to go. Awesome. So uh, I think we've covered most of the stuff with websites. We're we're getting a little bit close to the time where I usually go to picks, but there's one other area I want to talk about before we uh, move on, and that is user groups. Um, I it's it's kind of interesting to me when I first uh, got into user groups with iOS. It was the Cocoa Heads group that Rod actually organized, and uh, it's kind of funny because I've never been in a programming community that had kind of a centralized user group organization well it's really just kind of a, a name okay organ it's because it's i have no i don't talk to the central group at all although mark delrymple came and talked to our group once and he kind of organized he was the original founder and he just wanted places for people to go wherever they are to learn about coco so that's the extent of it there really isn't no national organization or anything oh, okay yeah, our local group is just an iPhone developers meetup. But uh, again, I find that super valuable. I I came there with my uh uh you know, with my app idea and my wife's uh laptop, her MacBook at the time, you know, a- asking all kinds of questions and they were so helpful. You know, I kept saying, you know, I don't want to monopolize the the meeting here and they're like, "No, this is valuable. Throw your stuff up on the screen and we'll debug it." And stuff like that was just super super helpful for me. It, you know, pr- in particular, I was dealing with this um this bug that was, uh, you know, I had like a web view on a screen and I would tap and it would start loading and then I'd back out of the screen before it was done loading and it would cause my app to crash. And I spent hours looking at this, just sort of scratching my head thinking, maybe I can't be an iOS developer. And then one of the guys uh, from the group was on Skype and I pinged him and he's like, yeah, I'll take a look. And within five minutes, he's like, yeah, you got to nil out your delegate here and then you'll be good. You know, having that type of expert advice just sort of at your fingertips is super, super valuable. So yeah, if, if you want to find a user group in your area, the the national 
the name, actually it's worldwide, it's called Cocoa Heads. So if you go to CocoaHeads.org, there's a map of the world and you can find a group near you. And in fact, the Utah one that, that I organize is meeting tonight. So if you're in Utah, come and stop by. Yep, there's also... They'll probably a- hear about this after <laughs> it's over. Yeah, that's right, because this won't be released for probably a week. So. Oh, that's right. But um, there's also a group at BYU um, in Utah County. Right. That's also local. I haven't been to their group, but they sound pretty you know, excited and intense about this stuff. So, Also, um, NS Coder Night is a night that's organized for people to get together, just that's not an organized presentation format. I think there's a website for NS Coder Night, if so I'll... I'll uh, send you the link, Chuck. But uh, basically, it's just a place like in Houston. We we meet at uh, Tay House of Tea. It's this really quiet place with like a hundred different teas and good food and free Wi-Fi. And so we just go there and work on whatever we're working on and just be social. And uh, sometimes, yeah, I just sit there and do my own stuff. And people come up and ask me questions. Or sometimes I have a question and I'll work with somebody on that. And um, that's also a really great way to meet people that are also doing the same stuff you are. Yeah, I think. I think the BYU Cocoa Heads organizes something like that too, and they they meet at a cafe here. And yeah, and that one is like every Tuesday except for the meetup night for us. Right. Yeah, and one other thing I want to say about users groups is that if you don't have one in your area that's close to you, um, see if you can find some other iOS coders out there and see if they're willing to get together every so often. I think you'd be surprised at how many people would be willing to uh, to come to something like that if you know. Even if it's just, hey, we're all going to meet at this place and just get food and chat. There's also UI Coder, which is also in Salt. There's a group called in Salt Lake, and I think it's in other places too that meets every Tuesday down in downtown. Cool. Yeah, just check. There's 606 members on our iPhone meetup group, which is pretty huge. Uh, we usually get about 30 to 50 show up every meeting, but uh, mm-hmm. but that's that's a lot of people. So is that people on your mailing list? your group is that what you're talking about yeah ours is managed on meetup.com so it just tells me how many people have signed up nice all right well are there any other things that we haven't talked about that we should cover as far as learning ios programming do you want to talk about conferences real quick oh yeah how can we forget conferences they're like big meetups yeah they are (laughs) yeah (laughs) i would say go to go to cococonf there's probably one coming near you soon cococonf is a really really good uh, conference and uh, in my mind so far it's the best one aside from WWDC that I've found I'll be going up there on Wednesday to speak at the Dallas event um, and I think there's one in San Jose after that yeah I'm speaking at the San Jose one so uh, are they just kind of local conferences for It's uh, the organizers are, are traveling so they just kind of pack up in a bus and goes to go to a new city so um, I think that they are o- sort of open to suggestions on where to go next. Uh, I've been trying to get them in Houston uh, for a while, but uh, Dallas is close enough for me, so I'll be driving up there. But um, yeah, they had it in Portland, I think, in October last year. Um, I just spoke at the one in, in uh, Chicago last month. Uh, so yeah, it was, it's uh, g- a good event to go to. Yeah, I remember filling out a form to ask them to come to Salt Lake, so I, but we'll see. I went to the Portland one. Yeah, I think it, it was good. I think you have to lobby for, you know, get people on Twitter to also say, hey, plus one, come to come to your city, you know? All right. We could probably organize something like that. There's NS, of course, there's NS Conference, which is in Europe, I think in England somewhere, and also in Atlanta. And then there's a new one called NS North, which is in Canada, I believe, somewhere. 
Um, I was also in Amsterdam for MDevCon. All right. Uh, Actually, Pete, you and I were both there. That's right. Um, Yeah, that was a good one. It was uh, more cross-platform, but there was definitely a lot of iOS love there. Yeah. And there's um, 360 iDev. I just heard about this one. This is in Colorado. Has anyone else been to that? No, a lot of my friends go to that one, and that one's where you can meet all kinds of indie developers. It seems to be a good place to go. I just seem to fill up on conference time before <laughs> before that one comes around. Yeah, I went to that one a couple years ago and it's it's a single track. It's 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 good. I kind of want to put in a proposal to that. It looks like a fun fun one. Yeah. Yeah, I like the conferences in Colorado cuz they're reasonably close. Awesome. So, um what what is kind of the experience with these different conferences versus like WWDC seems to be the big one? <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of, it's almost like a rite of passage, right? I mean, you, you stress out about getting a ticket, uh, you sign up for these notifiers so that you can get, <laughs> get notified when they come on sale and hopefully you don't live in the West Coast. Sorry, Pete. Because uh, <laughs> otherwise you have to wake up at like 5 a.m. to, uh, to, to get in line and buy your ticket. And it's super expensive. But that said, you'll never meet that many like-minded developers. It's such a good networking uh, experience yeah. and you get first hands-on access to the new bits that come out for iOS 6 or iOS 7 or whatever the new thing is and you know it's just a week to uh, to, to immerse yourself in learning it, the, the videos are available for free typically like a week or two after the conference uh, but I still think that having time to uh, to go there and meet people is worth it in addition to that uh, they have the the labs you can go to so yeah the labs the app- are awesome the app I work on uh, is called Delhi Radio, D-E-L-I Radio. It's a streaming radio app. And so we we have uh, some pretty complicated AV Foundation code in our app. And AV Foundation is a really complicated beast. And the way we were using it, you know, I had all kinds of questions. And so I went down to the labs and I actually met the guy uh, who invented or at least uh, started the HTTP live streaming spec. And uh, we chatted for like 45 minutes about um, how to design various pieces of our app. Um, that type of advice is really, really worth the ticket alone, in my opinion. Uh, but you have yeah, to wait I, in line to get it. I think, like, to me, I, I just went to, to WWDC for the first time, I think, last year, and the labs just blew me away. Like, you're literally talking, like, you have a, pro- a problem with Thing X, and you're talking to the guy that wrote that software. You know, it's not just, like, a guy that's an expert. It's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I remember... We did that for some reason. Oh yeah, it's it's actually it's and they're very honest about like oh yeah that's kind of like that's kind of a legacy thing. We don't really want it to be there, but we can't get rid of it. Like you, you use this thing instead. Like they're very upfront and they're very uh, straightforward. And it's quite they're quite non Apple-y because normally Apple's kind of like the reality distortion field, right? But when you actually talk to these individual engineers, they're 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 kind of just you know regular. Regular they're not going to go on record and tell you this thing is going yep. away or you should move in this direction, but they'll tell you, put their hand on your shoulder and say, you should do why, and then they'll give you a winky face, you know, and then you yep. realize hey, that's something I really need to pay attention to because Apple's going to be doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had some really funny experiences at the at the labs asking them questions I shouldn't because because I maintain this um this te- this unofficial testing tool right and and part of part of what it needs to do is kind of get into the internals of of how iOS works and do things that Apple don't really want you to do so 
I was kind of just down there like asking really awkward, annoying questions. And they were very, very um, uh, accommodating of me being just like this kind of annoying guy. Like, how do I break your stuff? You know, like it was, it was a really, really good experience. <laughs> I, I kind of, that was my favorite part of WWDC. And there's lots of parties afterwards with drinking as well. Nice. That's a must. All right. Well, we're out of time. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, move over to the picks. Since this is our first show, I'm going to explain what the picks are, and then we will probably not do that again. So the picks are basically anything that we found that's useful, uh, interesting, or fun. On other shows, I mean, we've picked music, movies, uh, development tools, I, just just anything and everything, you know. Um, so there's no real rule to it. You know, just share whatever you're excited about these days. It seems like some of you guys have listened to some of the other shows where we do it do the picks so uh i'm just gonna pick on you guys and have you share the picks um ben why don't you start us off all right so i guess my first pick would be cocoa pods um it's it's definitely sort of this you know non-apple way of doing things that is pretty awesome um if you're familiar with ruby and the ruby gems community then cocoa pods will make you feel right at home it's an easy way to pull in a third-party library and integrate it into your code without having to deal with things like header search paths and linker flags and all kinds of other stuff that make this stuff um, complicated. So definitely check out CocoaPods. Um, all my stuff uses CocoaPods these days. And I'd also just uh, say follow Matt Thompson. He's uh, T on Twitter and he's always coming out with cool new stuff uh, on GitHub. Uh, you know, He's the author of that NS Hipster blog, so I guess Matt would be my next pick. Awesome. Pete, what are your picks? My first pick, which is kind of technical but not iOS related, is uh, the Raspberry Pi. So I've been, this is like this little kind of tiny uh, credit card size computer that costs $35, which sounds sounds unbelievable, but it's true. Um, I've been wanting to play with one for ages, and I finally found an excuse to, to get one um, last week because we were starting up a new project and we needed a build monitor, and uh, all of our all of our continuous integration stuff was in the cloud for this project, so we didn't actually have a physical computer. So I went and went on Amazon and uh, spent seventy-five bucks. And two days later, this tiny, tiny package <laughs> arrived. I thought it was just one piece of the Raspberry Pi, but it was actually everything, including the case and the memory stick and everything else. And it was actually super easy to get started with. I was surprised. I thought I was going to be um, messing around with it for hours, but within about thirty minutes, we had it plugged into a monitor and. Uh, showing us that our build was green. So Raspberry Pi is, is awesome, and it's got loads of you know cool kind of hardware hacky things you can do with it because it has like those GPIO like input-output um, pins so you can wire it up to physical things or take measurements of things and all that kind of stuff. And then my other kind of iOS pick would be uh, Kiwi, which is a uh, like a unit testing tool. Uh, it's kind of like RSpec. If you're a Ruby person, it's like RSpec for iOS and uh yeah it's it's really good and it's if you're getting if you're getting started and you're tr- trying to figure out how to do unit testing there's like the official apple way and then which isn't actually that great I would, so i'd recommend looking at kiwi if, from the get go rather than trying to do the official kind of apple unit yeah, testing but, stuff <laughs> i think that needs to be its own show topic right definitely yeah testing ios yeah mm-hmm. all right rod what are your picks all right i'm going to pick uh Going with the theme of the show is the Stanford videos. Even as someone who already knows iOS, I will watch them again and, and pick up new things, especially on the new technologies that they'll cover. Because every year they cover the, the latest version of iOS, and 
even I will learn a few new techniques. So I enjoy those. And then the second uh, pick, as I'm going to pick uh, for fun, is this book I'm reading called Kill Decision by Daniel Suarez, which is about uh, autonomous drones and someone a mystery behind uh, attacks that someone's using them for. And I don't know if you've read Daniel Suarez, but he's also written Freedom and Damon, and his books are, are really good. Sounds like fun. All right. Well, um, I'm going to do some picks as well. My first pick is the Big Nerd Ranch Guide. Uh, for the iOS programming. It's, it's a good book. It, it walks you through stuff. I've also talked to a few other people who are using some of the other frameworks like the Monotouch and RubyMotion, and they've walked through that book. They just skip past the parts that you know aren't as applicable to the way that they're approaching the problems, but it still walks them through enough of the frameworks and libraries to where it, 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 you know, it helps them get where they need to go. The other pick I'm going to pick is... Uh, this is my all-time favorite TV show, and uh, I've been watching it again for the you know for the second time, and that is um, uh, Battlestar Galactica, and uh, it's the it's the reboot version, not the 1978 version. It's the reboot version is awesome. Yeah, it's it's incredible, and just as a third pick because um, Pete's accent is so awesome, I also have to pick Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> I watched the latest you know, I, episode last I, night, I, and I, I love it. I love it. You guys talk about Doctor Who so much on Ruby Rogues that I had to I had to watch episode one. And my wife walked into the room halfway through the show, and she's like, "What? What in the heck are you watching?" <laughs> and she couldn't even take it for not even five minutes. Uh, so that one I may have to watch on my own. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's on Netflix. Of course, the current season isn't. But anyway, there do they have the old problem. ones on Netflix? Do they have like they, the old like 1990s or 1980s ones? So I have a friend that is like a Doctor Who expert. He's <laughs> it's really really funny. But anyway, apparently they have some of the old episodes all the way back into the like the 60s. The rub is that BBC repurposed some of the tapes that had some of the original um, Doctor Who episodes on them. Oh yeah, and so yeah, they I heard are about that. they are they are lost. Um, they have been able to recover some of them because people had them. You know, they taped them off of TV or something, but they haven't been able to recover them all. So you can get some or most of them, but I don't think you can get them all. Some of them are in black and white because they lost the original color versions, but when they broadcast them overseas, they were still in black and white, and they have tapes of that. So some Doctor Who fans, I think, actually like figured out how to re-add the color to this black and white, the black and white shows, which is just crazy mm -hmm. that's some serious fandom right there yeah they yeah do, seriously they do dedication have, of nerds yep yeah right they do have several of the old versions on netflix i just haven't watched them all so so yeah we'll wrap this show up thanks for listening we'll be back next week we'll be talking about memory management <laughs>